Welcome to Here We Grow, a grassroots podcast by Southwest Georgia Farm Credit focused on education and inspiring growth down on the farm, at home, and in rural communities. Whether you're a farmer or farm her, advocate, land lover, or southern dweller, we have industry experts and homegrown leaders ready to share their insights with you. Thanks for listening. Here We Grow Again, Episode 6. Season's greetings, y'all. I'm your host, Billy Billings, a relationship manager with Southwest Georgia Farm Credit. Today, I welcome Andrew Thorne, Megan Verner, and Fernando Jackson, a.k.a. Farmer Fredo, to the podcast. Welcome, y'all. My guests join me today to share their experiences promoting the great industry of agriculture in the communities and classrooms across Southwest Georgia. Andrew, Megan, Fernando, thanks for joining me. All right, y'all, I know I'm been hosting about five or six episodes now, but I'd like to tell you a little bit more about myself. Uh, I'm a graduate from the University of Georgia from the Terry School of Business with a degree in finance. Um, while I didn't know I was going to be an agricultural and in agriculture when I was there, I have a family that is deeply rooted in agriculture in southwest Georgia from my now retired row cropping grandfather that worked at FSA prior to going out on his own to farming to my mother that now uh, farms citrus as well as citrus trees. My wife, Catherine, as well, graduated from the University of Georgia with a ag business degree, and uh, she is the driver in our family for our ag ventures. My first guest today is Andrew Thorne. Dr. Thorne is the Department Head for Agricultural Education and Communication Department at ABAC. Andrew grew up in the rural central state of Illinois and taught high school agri-science at Mount Pulaski High School. He then took on a state leadership role with the Illinois State Board of Education for Agricultural Education, where his primary responsibility was to aid agri-science teachers, administrators, and community members in developing and maintaining agricultural education programs. As a university faculty member, Dr. Thorne has previously worked at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign campus, as well as the University of Florida, where he served as the teacher education coordinator and provided leadership for teacher professional development. His research expertise in this area in teaching and learning focuses on argumentation skills development, as well as he's the founding member of the multi-state research project that focuses on STEM emphasis in school-based agricultural programs. Andrew, welcome to the program. Uh, Billy, it's great to be here, and, uh, you know, thank you for that introduction. Um, So, you know, hopefully the the listeners don't don't give me booze because – uh, I honestly think there's probably two two things in there. Some folks might boo about one, me being from Illinois, and two, uh, having some degrees from University of Florida. <laughs> that's so, right. I'm sure they'll forgive you. That's right. So we'll just have to overlook that because uh, you know, at the end of the at the end of the day, I'm just an old Illinois farm uh, farm boy. And uh, uh, after living in in Georgia now here about three years, um, there's a lot of similarities to uh, to South Georgia as or as rural Illinois. So I'm happy to be um, here in Tifton at, at ABAC and uh, leading this fine department of agricultural education and communication. I'll talk about a little bit more about that later. Um, but I really want to say, um, you know, I think as far as an industry and as far as, um, you know, I'll say rural Georgia, and I think it even could be some of the urban areas that are involved in agriculture in the state of Georgia, is that agriculture is everywhere. Um, you know, that's our ind- and in, in our industry, um, we typically tend to be a little bit humble about sharing our story and sharing uh, the impact in which this industry has on this great state. Um, by nature, we operate as independent contractors um, when rather keep our head to the ground. You talked about that at the beginning in your intro that, uh, that you know, we're glad that we have people that love what they do. Um, so 
a lot of our producers, a lot of our folks that are involved in this industry tend to keep their heads down and say, you know, just let us keep doing what we love to do. Um, and so that's great. And what do they tend to do is, uh, you know, we use the land uh, to produce the highest quality food and fiber in the world. Um, and a lot of those products are come right here in our home state of, of Georgia. Um, so I think, however, um, you know, we need to be able to share that impact and, and uh, tell those connections that are made um, at the local level and within our rural communities. And I think that we could do that a little bit better. Um, perhaps some folks might say that we need to toot our horn a little bit, um, but really think about holistically as that industry. Uh, when we think about George, uh, agriculture in South Georgia, um, we have a high-quality forestry industry of peanuts, cotton, melons, and some of the other ones that you mentioned. Um, and I think across there, the public can see that. Um, and, you know, we talk about some local farm gate receipts um, that, uh, that you may have shared. There's a, a vital awareness across, that needs to happen across the southeast, both in rural and urban alike. Um, I think that there's a little bit more to the story that we could be telling, and those are the connections in which I would call um, and where we touch what I would refer to as the input and output sector of this industry. Um, so what I mean by input is, you know, what, what goes into uh, a producer to be able to produce the product? Um, what's a result as the, as the product creation and where it goes from there? Um, and that can be all the things from, you know, tire shops to trucking companies to accounting agencies and manufacturing. Um, those are all touched by agriculture within uh, this state and across the nation. Um, so all across the state, there, uh, you know, there are also middle and high school agriculture programs, which I primarily do a lot of my work with. Um, those would be, you know, things that what's most notable about that is, you know, within school-based ag ed um, and FFA, and they work to educate students in and about agriculture. Um, so what I mean by educate in agriculture is really the preparation for the next generation that will be the producers, the entrepreneurs, and the employees of the agriculture industry. Um, as you previously mentioned, one in seven residents is involved in the agriculture industry. I, I would guesstimate, I might argue the fact that, that I think that that's a little bit too low is because we don't always consider a lot of the inputs and the outputs that come from this industry and the other jobs that they touch or the other jobs that they make available because we have um, those employees in, in the south, in, across the state of Georgia. Um, we also then educate students about agriculture uh, within school-based ag, ed, ag education. Um, so I think what I mean by that is that uh, we're working with students that would become the consumers of tomorrow and having them be educated on the agricultural practices and develop an appreciation for and knowledge of um, agricultural practices is vital to the future of the industry. So when we have things, the legislative issues that come up um, that impact agriculture, that at least there is an awareness for other individuals that may not uh, be um, in direct connection uh, any longer um, to the agriculture industry, but I think through ag education that could be helped to at least have well-educated consumers. Um, you know, and it's even just simple things like, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time in grocery stores and we see that something's gluten-free and it's a meat product. Uh, many of us in this industry know that, uh, well, 
Uh, gluten comes from wheat, and last time I checked that, uh, you know, your hamburger didn't have any wheat that was in it. Um, and so it's just those things, those uh, education, educational things about agriculture. Um, and then as a portion of that, all of the students um, are FFA members and therefore then have likely have a local impact that's seen um, within their local community um, and their local community's uh, economy through their SAE, which is uh, an acronym that's for Supervised Agricultural Experiences. Um, these are out-of-classroom experiences um, that where students would work within the industry, conduct uh, research to address uh, local agricultural questions, perhaps, um, or they may even own their own enterprise. Um, so students become part of the local economy, especially with lo- owning their own enterprise, um, as through buying feed, buying trailers, buying a vehicle, buying lawnmowers, etc. Um, so we think. So then my. You know, as I sit here in Tipton, I start to think about how do we capture that student's interest to remain within that industry and expand on that, uh, because that's really the pinnacle that really uh, agriculture thrives on so we can have that positive impact um, in Georgia from from the young folks that I work with. Um, Also spend some time thinking about that, as many of you know, that that I'm at ABEC, but many folks don't know that uh, this department that I'm the head of uh, is the largest program of its kind east of the Mississippi River in ag education. Um, And so who would know that uh, ABAC in Tifton, Georgia, has probably the third largest ag education at the collegiate level uh, program across the the nation, and we have a wonderful ag communications major as well. Um, So I look at that, and I think think about how do we tell that story uh, across South Georgia, across the state of Georgia, um, even into Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, North Carolina, um, as we try to connect, um, you know, for that larger impact. And, you know, what I, what I have to do and think about in my role as a department head on ABAC's campus daily is I have to share that message um, and how do we fit in and, and fit with the larger mission of the college. Um, if not, if I don't share that and toot that horn, then sometimes we're overlooked. So I think back and apply those same things to our industry holistically is, is uh, you know, really trying to get out there and kind of educate those folks on that message, um, letting folks know uh, the impact that has on this industry and the other segments in which we could touch. Right. Those are all great points, Andrew, and I, I appreciate and we appreciate what you're doing for the agricultural community because, I mean, while there are kids that are at home, their families are involved in agriculture, and they're more likely to turn to agriculture than others. We got to capture those that families aren't in agriculture, and we got to get, I guess, the um, the new entries to the agricultural world. Because I mean, every single day there's more people to feed, and there's going to be more challenges ahead of us. So I appreciate those points, and I appreciate you what you're doing for ABAC and the uh, in Southwest Georgia. Yeah, um, thank you. Our next speaker is Megan Berner. Megan graduated from New Mexico State University with a bachelor's in agricultural business and economics and a minor in marketing. She currently teaches agricultural business at Commodore Conyers College and Career Academy in Albany. Megan is also the office manager for her husband's farm equipment dealership, Elite Ag Co., which is also located in Albany. Along with her husband, Megan owns bf livestock a seed stock operation for angus and herefords welcome megan hey guys thanks for having me on here i'm excited this will be the second thing um i've gotten to do with you guys that's right you were in our 2021 summer issue of the wiregrass correct yes 
and y'all have the best magazine. It's one I look forward to um, getting every few months. Well, we, so, we appreciate that. Well um, and that was a great article on you and your family. And um, so after, after kind of giving your background and shout out to New Mexico, that's my home state. Albuquerque is where oh, I was it? born. Yep. Um, okay. Just kind of give us your points following Andrew there and just kind of tell us about what you teach a little bit, kind of where you've gotten your career, the challenges your family faces in your agricultural ventures, and then we'll kind of loop it back and start a little conversation. I took some notes while Dr. Thorne was speaking because um, his explanation of education was perfect uh, from start to finish. He said it better than I could have. Agriculture is everywhere. We need to share it, and those are kind of where I come at and why I decided to get into teaching. Um, obviously, because you rattled off my degree there, I don't have um, an educational degree, but I got this opportunity to teach at, we call it 4C Academy for short, in Darty County, um, mainly because those are the consumers of tomorrow, and if, you know, who's going to share and share that love of agriculture um, if you don't get into teaching. And so I jumped in, and um, we do a, an urban ag program there at, at 4C. Um, this will be my third year teaching, so I've got 10th uh, graders this year. We uh, start them in ninth grade, and we keep them all the way to 12th. And in their 11th and 12th grade years, they finish their pathway in 10th, and then in their 11th and 12th grade year. They are on work-based learning internships, either with me, with another program at 4C, or out in the community. Um, we think it's really important to get them um, industry experience, whatever that experience um, might be that they're interested in. Right. Uh, we have a huge hydroponics greenhouse that should be finished, I'd say, in January, 5,000 square feet. Um, we are going to, it's going to be an enterprise for 4C and my kids, so they'll get paid to work in it. And um, we are going to sell the produce back to the school system. So the school system will have fresh local food. Um, and then we've got 40 raised garden bed boxes that we push that food out into the community. So Darty County and, and uh, Farmer Fredo is going to talk way more about this and does a better job at it than me. But it's a food insecure and food desert community. And so on that side, um, I really, instead of selling produce, I want to get it out in the community as much as possible. So just last week, we harvested about 200-ish pounds of collards and donated that all into um, the local community through the Parks and Rec Department. That's awesome right there. Well, I, I will say um, this will be my second year of having a I guess a bigger than normal backyard garden and it truly is unbelievable what you can grow in the dirt and the space in your backyard and like you just touched on and like our next guest is going to touch on even further um, it really is amazing to see what you can grow in your backyard I mean I grew enough for my family and the neighbors that lived on both sides and a couple down the street so <laughs> it really yep. is enjoyable and I mean exactly. you can quickly see how you could if they were growing something you could quickly get back to the barter and trade system really quickly and i mean going through the pandemic going into grocery stores and seeing a lot of shelves that were empty that got that's what got me and my wife fired up to do this and we were able to do it a lot better than we thought so um so what and like are, dr thorne said you know you can grow everything i mean there really isn't anything you can't grow in south georgia exactly at some point 
Exactly. Before we move on to our next guest, I wanted to ask you one more question from exposing children to ag in the classroom and in the outdoors. Kind of what is your biggest takeaway? What do you see? Um, or what's just a, a story from one of your one of your children that you'd like to share? So um, Albany hasn't had, I'm the first ag program in eight years. And so, um, and before that, I'm not sure if they went to the expo or not, but we went to the Sunbelt Expo when it was in town. And just being able to expose my small group of kids to that kind of an event with, you know, the different producers and all the drug companies and manufacturers and equipment, uh, I think it was just really eye-opening for them to see in, you know, for their own eyes, all of the different sectors of ag and all of it that it, it encompasses. You know, it's not just that row crop farmer that's, you know, doing peanuts and cotton and corn that they kind of see on a regular basis, or it's not just you know, their family that works at the chicken plant. Um, you know, there are a lot of variety of jobs. There's jobs where you get dirty. There's jobs you use computers. There's, you know, jobs you drive things. There's jobs you use your hands. There's all kinds. And so uh, that was probably the most recent experience. And then I guess the other thing I'd add is we did this competition with um, part of it partnered with NASA, and it's with the Central Florida University, where we got moon soil, and um, we're in this national competition to see what we could grow out of the moon soil, and so since we're in South Georgia, we picked peanuts, and um, and it's been really fun to have them watch peanuts grow firsthand and explain them peanuts, and then it just so happened that it's right when we're picking peanuts, and so I got to bring some of that in to school and have them, you know, look at that. And so that's been a – we try to do a lot of hands-on projects for them. All right. Now, I lied. One more question. Um, looking back, what what is the biggest insight you can give to another female looking to get in the ag industry or one that's in the ag industry that wants to advance her career? I'd say for females, just keep asking and just keep trying. You never know what door will open when. Um, and just keep yourself out there. You'll get a lot of no's. I – poke at my husband constantly. There has not been a single thing in his entire life that he is not. Well, there's been one. We, we laughed. There's been one. But anyways, for the most part, he's not ever had somebody tell him no. Every job interview he's made, every time he asks for something, he gets a yes, 99% of the time. And in my case, that's not, you know, been the same response. I get a lot of no's. And that's okay. It's just It just makes you work harder. And it makes those wins taste a little bit better, um, honestly. And the realization when you do get that yes and you do get your foot in the door and you, you do get started and you are successful at seeing the, I don't want to say shock that you're really good at your job or whatever it might be, but just the um, proving them wrong that you were capable of doing it and, you know, proving them right that you were correct and making them take that chance on hiring you or, you know, giving you the job. Right. That's great input. I'm seeing it firsthand with my mother, who was a career government employee, and now she's back, um, returned to the farm and uh, working harder than she's probably ever worked, but having more fun than I think she's <laughs> ever had, too. So really yeah. get to see the fruits of her labor. And that pun was intended. So, all right, yeah. well, Andrew and Megan, that was great points. So we're going to sum it up perfectly with our third speaker, Mr. Ferdando Jackson, a.k.a. Farmer Fredo. 
Um, he has worked in agriculture outreach to low-income communities and food production for more than a decade. He was named the 2019 Farmer of the Year by the Georgia Department of Education and continues to serve the Darty County School System Nutrition Program through 200 interactive teaching gardens throughout the community. As Executive Director of Flint River Fresh, Mr. Jackson um, actively manages and provides technical assistance for a combined total of four acres of urban farms, 237 garden beds, three-quarters of an acre of urban orchards in Colquitt, Darty, and Sumner counties, and his passion for turning green spaces into food spaces motivates him to cultivating relationships around the community gardening and urban farming, focusing on conserving natural resources. Welcome, Farmer Fredo. How you doing, Billy? Doing great. Good to see you. Good to, good to see you again. You know, it's always good to, to share our story and get an opportunity to talk about the, the great work that we're doing in, in our part of the state. And so I'm just really just thankful for this um, platform to share our successes and as well as our partnerships and our opportunities to grow. Right. Well, I've had the fortunate opportunity to um, come up and see some of your workspaces or food spaces. I like that. Um, so kind of tell us a little bit more um, about what you got going on up in these counties. Yeah, so Flint River Fresh, we are a five-year-old nonprofit. Um, again, our hub is Doherty County. And as we got into the work, we realized that um, Doherty County itself is the, is the hub of Southwest Georgia, but we also realized that there were individuals that were dealing with um, food um, insecurities. And we know we've seen like the platform where we gave out like fresh produce boxes or people stand in line and go to like the food bank. Well, we kind of took like a different approach about like, well, let's teach a person how to fish so they can feed themselves for like a lifetime. So we looked at how we can develop partnerships that could meet that goal, but also help us sustain the four pillars that make up our organization. So Flint River Fresh, we stand upon um, four things in particular. Number one, we believe in young people. So we try to partner with organizations, groups, to empower young people through agriculture to be the future leaders that they are and to give them a platform and a space for them to voice themselves, to create the change that they want to see in their own family and their own communities. And so that's number one. And number two, we also know that we're surrounded by, by farmers. Some of them are on like one acre land. Some of them, as we talked about, might be on like a thousand acres of land. But we also know that within our community that some of what they grow in the field rarely makes it back to those individuals that have a need for it. And so we try to develop a bridge or be a, a fresh food connector to bring what they grow in the field directly to the individuals that need it, but in also looking at institutions and other partnerships that can also benefit from having um, fresh produce more accessible in whatever they might do. And then thirdly, what we looked at is that um, we are Flint River Fresh. We are the urban agriculture arm for the Flint River Soil Water Conservation District. So we also look at how can we teach people how to protect and love on and care for Mother Earth. So looking at programs that fit, the, that help with soil health, look at programs that might deal with like our water, our air, um, our trees, our livestock, you name it, and, and bringing that back out into the community. And then also like the last thing that we look at is like how can we develop what we just we call like a community base, a community focus, and all the work and stuff that we do. Like we like to be the behind-the-scenes organization to allow for others to get the platform to be able to shine and implement whatever programs that they want to do. So those are like the four things that we stand upon. And through that, we've been known for some of the stuff that you talked about out in the community. Mm-hmm. So um, for our listeners and for me personally, how can we further support Flint River Fresh? Well, well first and foremost, like we, we believe that we have developed a model that can be replicated. 
So from our approach to community partnership gardens, and what that means is that we know that there are individuals throughout our region that will want to either educate people how to grow food, or maybe they want to create a space where people in the community can come in and harvest for themselves, or maybe create a space where they can donate a portion of their land for someone who doesn't have access to land to be able to grow for themselves as well. And then secondly, what we looked at is that some communities, we might can't do a vegetable garden or we might can't do raised garden boxes, but maybe there's an opportunity to do um, community orchards. So something that kind of like stemmed from like interacting with your mom was like, hey, we can grow citrus trees and groves and you can produce so much off of that one tree and how many people that you can feed off of it. So looking at a sustainability model. And then the third thing that we've also looked at is like, how can we replicate our fresh produce box program? Well, we're literally going to the farmers, collecting what they have in season, paying them outright up front and bringing it back into the community as a form of social enterprise. So, again, we're paying the farmers. We're getting out to the community for people to support. And so we're looking at how those partnerships can engage. And then, fourthly, something new that's happened with us a lot with Flint River Fresh is how we can work um, in advocacy. So learning how to work with your local government, your local city, municipality, um, your, your congressman, your senator, your state representative, and all those organizations on how they can bring resources directly back in our community that can benefit us for, like, the long run. Like, I was really... Um, amazed that like this past year, how we're able to go up to the Georgia State Capitol and sit down and have a discussion about our platform for eradicating food insecurities and bring to the table our partners and our successes. And so this this collaboration, like what we're doing with you guys today, just telling our story, also asks to show like the need because like the stats say like one out of um, one out of eight people in Georgia is dealing with food insecurities. But if you come down to more of a rural community, which we're in, it's almost like one out of four people are making that hard choice related to um, where the next meal is going to come from. And then if you look at if it wasn't for our school system, how many of our children wouldn't have like breakfast or lunch provided for them? And so what we're looking at is using the number one industry in our state, which is ag, that $7 billion industry that it is, how we can partner and make sure that no neighbor goes without like a, a healthy meal on the table that's well provided. And so the other partnerships that we're expanding upon in the years to come is looking at nutritional education, cooking demonstrations, and partner with agencies that can like bring that in. So that's why we do a lot of work with our health department, um, our local hospitals, our local um, like um, boys and girls clubs and things like that, because we understand it's just so, not so much about let me show you how to grow. But it's also about once you got the food, how do you bring it back home and prepare it like in a healthier, uh, more um, sustainable sort of way? Right. I will say, I mean, your, your body is a machine and you get what you put in it. The better you eat, the better your body will respond, the healthier you'll be. Um, so going into the winter months, um, what would you tell your backyard gardener or someone looking to grow their first garden ever? What are some of the winter crops that they can grow in their elevated garden boxes? I know it's limited compared to the summer. But. Yeah, it is, but but like how we always talk about that. Uh, so you have your, your, of course, you have your greens. So that's your collard greens, your broccolis, your cabbages, your kale, your um, Swiss chard, your spinach, your lettuce. Um, you know, also like Flint River Fresh, we do these demonstration sites, like at the Sunbelt Ag Expo. So one of the things that it's called is the is the backyard garden experience. So in addition to what crops you can grow, we also try to introduce like new technologies. So how you can utilize um, like your smartphone and an automatic timing sort of system to regulate your water, um, things like that as well. And then we also look at the um, 
ways that we can minimize um, weeds. So, you know, one thing that deters a lot of people from coming to the garden is like, I hate weeding. I have like this horrible story, like my grandmother, grandfather waking me up early in the morning to pick pig weeds out the garden. It was an endless process. So we look at the use of, of cover crops, landscape fabric, things like that to minimize the amount of weeding that somebody has to do in the garden. Because I always feel that of, of a young person's experience in garden, that focus should be like planting something and harvesting something and eating something. If those become their memories, then they're more likely to go back and repeat that back to someone versus, oh, my gosh, we, it's gnats everywhere. It's mosquitoes everywhere. I'm getting bitten. I can't take this. I can't take the heat. But it's something about in the heat of summer, walking into a field, opening up a fresh watermelon or walking to a tree and picking a plum or a peach right off the tree. That's a whole different like memory and a vibe. But it's also hidden those benefits to nutrients that you would need because that watermelon is hydrating you in the midst of like the summer heat that cucumber also can hydrate you. And so I know you asked me about the winter months, but I'm like, we, we like we say, we grow food year round here in Georgia. Like I tell people the only time we take time off is because it, we can only produce okra and purple whole peas. So we kind of stop, but we still are growing, but we just kind of stop because who wants to be out there picking okra with, with, with sweaty arms? You know what I mean? It's just cutting you up. You don't want that feeling. Right. I've done that once or twice, and it is not fun. <laughs> Megan touched on that they got a new 5,000-square-foot greenhouse that will be going to feed the local schools. Tell us about your partnership with Phoebe, Phoebe Putney and the uh, the local high schools. Yeah, so so actually we're in partnership as well with, like, 4C. So 4C, with their agribusiness program, we, we, support, we play a support role, and then we're also looking at some new partnerships of creating, like, enterprise with the young kids. And so with Phoebe... Um, Phoebe is the, I would, I would call them like our foundational partner because they've also provided in um, Doherty County an acre and a half of land that we have at the Fifth Avenue Community Garden where we have raised garden boxes, in-ground garden plots, as well as a community orchard. But then we also partner with Phoebe, especially during um, their, their mobile units that are going out into the different um, areas that don't have regular access to health care or um, a, a clinic. And so we're providing fresh produce for people that come through and get a, a vaccination or get their blood pressure checked and things like that as well. And then in return, also, we're looking at other opportunities that we can work within, like the Phoebe system, um, whether it be a, um, I like to call it like a, 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 a farm to pharmacy sort of concept. So as somebody with like pre-diabetic condition can maybe look at a prescription of a box of fresh produce and seeing how that can, how that can benefit them and on managing um, their blood levels and things like that as well. And then also with the school system, what we try to do is in partnership with the Georgia um, School Nutrition, um, where, again, I was nominated for Farm of the Year for the work and stuff that we were doing. But the idea, the concept was every month in Georgia, we have some local farmers that could probably grow enough for an entire school system. How can we take the, what that farmer has on the field Break it into the school system in a way that is prepared and used for the kids themselves to have a, a, a farm fresh meal at least two or three times a month in the school system. So we work in partnership with um, a local distributor that kind of helps us with the transportation and the refrigeration. And we bring in a local farmer as well to kind of help with the produce. And then the third thing that we do at the schools is that Flint River Fresh, we have a farm to school um, coordinator. 
And so what she does is that she works directly with the schools, um, with the planting, with the management, with the, the fertilizing and with the seeds. And what we try to do is take the harvest to serve the school in um, two different capacities. Um, one, to be able to take the harvest and work with the cafeteria or the school nutritional staff to see if there's an innovative way that we can serve it in the cafeterias with the school. And then the second thing that we look at is that schools themselves, as we talked about that one in four, one in six individuals dealing with food insecurities, there are individuals that might either work at the school or families that children attend the school that can also benefit from having a box of fresh produce um, as, as just to help them out. So rather than what we grow in the garden, just kind of like go to waste, we always look at once we have a harvest, what's the mechanism, what's the, the pathway or the bridge that we can connect this to somebody in need. And then the kids themselves, they really like, like I, I love, I love when it's carrot season because they all remember the size of that carrot seed and when we planted it. And then all of a sudden we show up in February and tell them to pull that carrot out and everybody just like loses their mind because not only did we, plant a carrot that was orange, but we also planted a carrot that was yellow, another carrot that was red to show the diversity of the food that you can grow. And so those sort of interactions and, and story times, and, and so we're even looking at um, in the coming months of like being with the kids, not only growing in the garden with them, but doing taste testing, doing cooking demonstrations, but even just sitting down with them and reading books about like see Jane grow a, grow a tomato and just interacting with kids on all grade levels. Because like we say, we work with kids from pre-K up until high school age students and show the joy and the benefit of what agriculture can do. That's awesome. Well, I will say I'm going to come next year during the carrot planting session because I was only able to grow a one-inch carrot this year. And, I mean, we had about 50 of those, and I think we ate them in one dish. So <laughs> I'll be coming up for that. And um, and we just got to change the narrative. I mean, as Americans, we've gotten so used or slash or lazy, you could say, of just it's, it's easy to convenient to go to the grocery store, but after growing my produce in the backyard, A, I think it's a lot better. I might be biased, but B, it's just it's humbling, and it's just nice. I mean, in times of need or, I mean, a pandemic, when the, when the shelves are empty, you, you know you got in the back backyard. My takeaway from this episode and several of the episodes prior to this is the next time you see a farmer, make sure to thank him. While our veterans are fighting for our freedom, our, uh, the farmers are fighting for our food day in and day out. And uh, without them, uh, we wouldn't have the, the world we live in. So at that time, I, this concludes our podcast today. Andrew, Megan, Farmer Frito, we appreciate y'all joining us. To read a transcript of today's podcast, visit our website at swgafarmcredit.com. And make sure you subscribe to our podcast on your favorite app to get notified of new episodes as well as follow us on Facebook and Instagram for great industry resources. Thanks for listening and happy holidays.